your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everyone, I am Gil Martin and welcome to the Locked On NHL Monday podcast. We've got three of our great local experts for you today as we break down some of the biggest stories around the league. First, we'll be joined by Jay Forster of Locked On Blue Jackets as he talks about the many changes that his team is going through. We'll have Adam Danker of the defending Stanley Cup champion Locked On uh, lightning today, and then we'll follow that up with a great interview conducted by our Locked On Senators duo of Ross Levitan and Brandon Pilar as they speak to Ottawa Senators player Alex Formanton. So make sure you join us for all of that on today's Locked On NHL podcast. So first up, Jay Forster of Locked On Blue Jackets. And right now, it's my pleasure to welcome on to the show, Jay Forster, the the host of Locked On Blue Jackets. Jay, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? It's been a minute I since good. I've been on uh... training, training camp underway, the Blue Jackets uh, scrimmaging and uh, getting ready for their first preseason game coming up very, very soon. Uh, the big news this week, the signing of a goaltender to a new five-year contract. What was your take on Elvis sighting uh, in in the general manager's office to sign his deal and what it means for the goaltending situation this year. Yeah, I was I was really psyched. Um, I've kind of been stressed about the goaltending situation in Columbus for basically since Bobrovsky left uh, a couple of seasons ago. So it's really good to um, feel like I have a solid idea of where the Blue Jackets are going um, because there was a, you know, people were like, well, Elvis has, is Elvis is going to get higher, um, higher return if we trade him, but he's also going to do better for the, he's going to be better for the team if we keep him. So it was very much a case of, well, do we want to get more back for a solid goaltender or do we want to keep our solid goaltender and then trade Corpusalo, who is still a very good goaltender, um, so it, it's nice to know, okay, so they've basically put their faith in Muslikins to be the goaltender of the future, which I'm super excited with. I think he's a I don't, better goalie, I feel like, is, is a, weird, a weird judgment because they're very different goalies, but I think Elvis has a higher ceiling. I think you can put the team on Elvis's back and he will, he could conceivably carry this team to the postseason. Um, he's good. He's young. He's exciting. Uh, I'm I'm a big I'm a big Muslikins fan. So I'm super happy that we've we've locked him up long term. With that aspect of things settled, a lot of eyes also in Blue Jackets camp on Patrick Lane. Your thoughts about him and what he may be able to do this year to help the team score more goals? Yeah, I think what's Patrick Laine is one of those players that I think is going to make or break the team. Um, I've really liked what I've seen from him so far in uh, training camp. He's mostly kind of been paired with uh, Jacob Varacek, who, you know, I feel like it's kind of an open secret that we went out to get Jacob Varacek for Patrick Laine. Um, 
you know, we wanted a playmaker, someone who can be uh, a little bit more defensively responsible than than line A. Um, and, you know, if we can get those two guys to click, then, yeah, like, I don't think it's a, a stretch or a hot take to say that Patrick Line could score 40 goals this season, um, which would be great for us, the team. Uh, that would be great for him in terms of his new contract. He's on a one-year contract at the minute, so it is very much kind of a, a show-me deal uh either he has a really great season and we sign him long term which would be great or you know the blue jackets are bad we flip him at the deadline for you know picks and prospects um it, it's it really feels kind of like a, a a win-win scenario for the blue jackets with patrick line but i have no doubt that he is going to be a much better player this season than he was last season so far, you know, training camp less than a week in right now. Who are some of the younger players who you've had your eye on and who have impressed you early so far at Blue Jackets camp? Well, I mean, the, the thing about Blue Jackets camp this season is that they're basically all young guys. Um, but the the Traverse City tournament just happened. Uh, guy, we had a, a player, Igor Chinakov, who most people will remember as our, he was our first round pick last season uh the one that kind of made everyone go wait what <laughs> when when kakalainen drafted him uh he would go on to win the gagarin cup he was the rookie of the year in the khl last season uh, and then he came over to north america this season played in traverse city scored six goals in three games uh so i i would think he's he's got to be at least in the conversation to to make the team um cole sillinger is another guy that people have kind of had their eye on um i i don't know i i was surprised when he came across as well as he did in traverse city uh he's currently centering patrick liner and jacob Voracek in training camp i assume that will change uh as as things go on i know head coach brad larson has talked about wanting to get you know a bunch of different lines together and see what works the best but right now he's been holding his own between you know a potential 40 goal scorer and jacob Voracek who almost ran away with the scoring title uh, a couple of seasons ago. So, you know, for, for a 19-year-old kid to kind of come in and be like, well, these are the guys you're playing with. I think he's he's performed admirably. Um, whether he's an NHL regular, I don't know. But I would be very surprised if, uh, or I would I would not be surprised if, if Cole Sillinger makes, makes the opening night roster for the Blue Jackets. Seems like this is going to be a very different team than it was a year ago. Your thoughts on on the Blue Jackets offseason and what overall grade would you give the team based on the difference between the end of last year and now? It's, yeah, it's a, it's a strange one. The, the Blue Jackets, and I've talked about this before on, on my show, this Blue Jackets team could either be a contender in the playoffs or they could finish bottom of the league and you know be in the in the Shane Wright kind of a conversation like and it, I feel like neither of those two things are, are super out of reach of this team um so right now I'm just kind of waiting to see how things fall how the season starts um as for the off season for the most part I I liked it um I thought the the return for Seth Jones was phenomenal uh, essentially two firsts and two roster defensemen for a guy that had basically said, I'm out the door 
as soon as I can. Um, we locked up Zach Wierenski long-term, which I think a lot of people had thought he would be the next guy out the door. Um, we locked up Oliver Bjorkstrand, who has been our leading scorer for the past two seasons and has really kind of quietly turned into one of the most uh, defensively responsible and I think underrated forwards in in the league. Uh, we obviously, the Muslikens contract I liked. Uh, the, the only thing that I had kind of an issue with and I've kind of come to terms with it a little bit now is is I didn't like the Atkinson trade when it first happened. Um, but I think that was mostly kind of an emotional, like, that's that's my guy. You know, I have an Atkinson jersey. I He was one of my favorite players. I had kind of just assumed that he was going to retire here. Um, so, so, like, that sucked from an emotional level. But from, like, a, a hockey level, uh, if we can get Voracek to connect with, with Lion A, like I said earlier, like, it's, it's money in the bank. So, um, overall grade, I'm going to, I'm going to give them a B, you know, I think I'm going to give them a, a, a strong, a strong B. Um, I think, uh, there's still some question marks. Um, I'm not sure about the signing of Sean Corrali. I'm not sure, uh, that we have done enough to, uh, build up our centre position from where it was at the start of last season to now Max Domi's a big question mark. So it's it could be... Like, yeah, like I say, it, it could go either way. But for the most part, I think Kekalainen has done a lot of good things to put this team in a position to succeed. And just to wrap things up, what would you say is the key to the team's success? If, if this happens, things will fall in line for this team this year. Yeah, I think it, it all goes back to, to Patrick Laine. There's a couple of guys on this team that I think are difference makers. Um, Zach Wierenski, I think, could be a difference maker if he's allowed, if he can kind of flourish without Seth Jones and succeed and be Zach Wierenski and not half of Wierenski and Jones, I think he's a difference maker. Obviously, Elvis Muslikens could be a difference maker, but the, the make-or-break player for me this season, I think, is, is Patrick Laine. If he can be that 40-goal guy, then that's, I don't know, that's, that's the kind of scoring that the Blue Jackets haven't had in a long time. All right, Jay, why don't you tell our listeners where they could find your show and where they could find you on social media? Sure. So you can find me at uh, underscore Jacob Foster, J-A-K-O-B-F-O-R-S-T-E-R. There will be some Blue Jackets talk, uh, some dog pictures. I will probably have some opinions about Star Wars because that's what I Mm -hmm. do in the offseason. You can find this show at uh, L-O underscore Blue Jackets on Twitter and wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Wherever you listen to this podcast, you can also find Locked on Blue Jackets. All right, Jay Fosters, thanks so much for joining us, and good luck to you and the Blue Jackets this year. Thanks. Good luck to you and your Islanders. Uh, We'll have to talk about that matchup at some point. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Today's episode is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one 
place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Next up, we are joined by Adam Danker of the Locked On Lightning podcast as he talks about the changes the defending Stanley Cup champions have gone through this offseason. And right now, it's my pleasure to welcome to the show from Locked On Lightning, the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning, Adam Danker. And Adam, it's been a while since the conference final last year when we last spoke. Yeah, it was funny when we first got on the talking before we hit the record button that that it's been that long, but also like we both said, this summer just blew by. You know, we had the expansion draft, the NHL draft, and for agency, and now we're a week or two away from from the season opening, and we're in the middle of camps. So it's it's wild how time flies. It is. It really is. And look, these are good times, obviously, for the Tampa Bay Lightning back to back. Stanley Cup championships. Obviously, you know, when that happens, you want to keep as much of that team together as you can. Talk to me about some of the losses the Lightning had in the offseason and how you think they'll affect this team. Well, a lot of people, when, when I've spoken about this, when I've gone on other shows mm-hmm. and done crossovers, is, is that they said, you know, you can't complain about the plethora of riches that the Lightning have. Uh, but the, the facts are that lost their they completely lost their third line in the offseason which is wild to even think about uh you know not a lot of teams could say that they've lost a complete line of forwards in one offseason um and and they were the best third line uh forwards in the entire league i think a lot of these guys and you'll see it in seattle and and you'll definitely see it in calgary is that two two of these three guys could could definitely play on the first line of any team in the nhl um so yeah, it's gonna be a it's gonna be an adjustment. And, and Steven Stamkos was on Thirty Two Thoughts the other day, and he said it. You know, as much as you hate to see those guys go, they they solely deserve to to get paid with the data. And unfortunately, we the, the Lightning weren't able to get you know that done because of uh, the salary cap restrictions. But I think that goes around the league uh, for everybody. But um, you know what? It, you hate to see them go, but you're happy of what they did for the franchise and you're happy to see and excited to see what they do in their new destinations. And uh, especially Blake Coleman. I, I can't wait to see how, uh, how he plays up in Calgary. Should be interesting. Okay. So you lose your third line. What have the lightning put in place to replace those players? Uh, they just they just took some of the guys that they they had on the fourth line and basically it was just it's really this year it's a next man up on the third line mentality which you love to see I came out on my show at the beginning of last season saying you know with the salary cap restrictions and possibility at the time of Tyler Johnson leaving and maybe moves being made in later on in the offseason that you know John Cooper had to play the young guys, and he did exactly that. He played Ross Colton, who we all know by now scored the game uh, clinching game five series clinching goal, uh, and and he's going to be entering in the third line. And then you're going to have Matthew Joseph, who's kind of bounced around here and there around the NHL, still very much in in the prime and early stages of his career. 
Uh, he'll be on the on the wing and alongside uh, Corey Perry, who the Lightning signed in the offseason. And, and that's a little bit of a surprise, you know, it, having Corey Perry on the third line. I think right now John Cooper is looking at this as an opportunity for a guy who scored 50 goals at one point early on in his career to kind of teach these two uh, young guns, Ross Colton and Matthew Joseph, you know, a little bit of uh, the tricks of the trade and see if maybe he could rub off onto these two guys. I, I was actually a little bit disappointed just because I would love to see how Corey Perry and Pat Maroon on a line along with uh, Pierre Edouard Belmare uh, will, will go out on the line uh, on the ice because that, that will be an insane uh, bruiser line to say the least. That would be, and it wouldn't shock me if we see it at some point this season. Yeah, I, w- I would imagine at some point, especially if they're going up against a tough team, and especially after everything that was said after the Lightning uh, won the Cup against Montreal this year, when they go play Montreal and Montreal comes down to Tampa, I will assume that Montreal is going to be playing with a chip on their shoulder, of course, and and especially also in these divisional games against Florida, and you know, especially when they play Hurricane the Hurricanes as well. Is you know, these more physical teams, you're definitely probably going to have Perry move down to that fourth line just so you could have you know these these three muscle guys out on the ice at all times just to kind of police the game as well. And you know, you'll 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 see some some guys like Taylor Radish being worked into the mix, possibly on the third line. We'll have to see, you know, how he he could adjust and if he could uh, pr- uh, produce some offense in his uh, first full season in the NHL. You you mentioned Taylor Radish. Uh, who are some of the other young players? Obviously, when you win back to back cups, there's usually not a lot of room on the NHL roster. Now that camp's open, who are some of the younger players who you're looking at for the Tampa Bay Lightning? One of the young players that I'm really looking forward to seeing him play a full NHL season because he'll definitely get worked in onto the third line as well here and there, and that's Alex Baraboulet. Baraboulet saw a bunch of ice time in the playoffs last year, as well as later on the season, um, as well as when, you know, Steven Stamkos went down. And he's one of those guys that's been in the system for a couple of years now, and he came up through the ranks as a 30-goal scorer up in Syracuse, and and Coach Cooper is looking to see if he could do that up at the NHL level. And he's shown sparks here and there that he could definitely do that. But, you know, as you know full well, Gil, that really what it comes down to is consistency with these young guys. And if they could score consistently, then that's going to that's going to be great for this team going forward. So Alex Baraboulet is definitely someone who I think is really this is this is his make or break year. And I think he's really going to come through for this team. Let's talk a little bit about the goaltending. Obviously, Andre Vasilevsky back, one of the best, if not the best goaltender in hockey. But how are you feeling about the backups this year? I I feel a lot better this year than I did last year, just because last year, Curtis McElhinney, who was the goal, backup goaltender of the previous year, he he's one of those goaltenders that needs to play more than 12 games you know his his stats last year weren't really anything to 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 really rave about but like i said he didn't really play a lot of games and he's one of those guys that thrives on on being played at least once or twice a week uh i i expect the backups to get a lot of lot of time in the crease this year just because i feel like coach cooper is going to look at this situation this year is let's just get this team to the playoffs and the i mean it's really no secret but really the core of the success of this team 
is Andre Vasilevsky. And, you know, let's just get to the playoffs. Let's finish in the top three, possibly win the division um, and, and have Vasilevsky ready to go because, you know, you, you're going to have a full 82 game season. You had COVID the last couple of years with the bubble winning two cups in the span of 10 months. And, and now you have the Olympics in the mix. So, Really, you know, Vasilevsky is going to be tired and he's going to need to be well rested by the time the playoffs roll around. So I'm really looking to see Brian Elliott, who got signed in the offseason as well, come over, bring that veteran presence and goal as well as, you know, he's still got a lot left in the tank. I believe he's 38 right now. So, you know, he's still showing that he could make it in the in the NHL. Uh, I would love to see Hugo Anafelt, who has been the prospect in in for the lightning system for a couple of years now. Uh, he's a big goaltender. I don't think he's going to come over just yet. I think he's going to stay in, in uh, overseas. Uh, but maybe we'll see another guy come up. Maybe Maxime Legacy. Maybe we'll see your guy, Eamon McAdam, invite at tra- training camp. Uh, he's got to make the make first. But, uh, you know, I'm not worried about the backup uh, situation just yet. But definitely ask me later on in the season. And, and maybe uh, I'll have changed my mind. But. Let me hear for you, what is the key to the season for the Lightning this year? And does some of it have to do with not letting down a little bit after winning back-to-back Stanley Cups? That's a good question. I've I've been talking about a lot recently, expectations. Um, really, I, I guess really what the key is for success this year is just Continue what you've been doing. Continue to play physical. Um, you know, guys are obviously going to have to manage their bodies accordingly throughout the season. This being the first 82-game season they've played in two years. Uh, a lot of these guys have been playing deep into the playoffs the last two years as well. So there's that as well. Uh, so really, I think it's playing hard, going out there and playing smart, but also knowing when to tell coach and the trainers, listen, body's not feeling right tonight. Um, I'm going to have to sit out of this one. And, you know, that's hard to, to find in the NHL. You don't have a lot of guys saying, I got to sit out tonight. So that's something that I think that you might see this year. I, it might be a coaching decision instead of a guy coming out and saying, listen, um, I can't play tonight. But that's really going to fall on Coach Cooper. But, of course, he knows these guys. Uh, some of these guys he's seen play in the NHL for years, guys like Corey Perry, Pat Maroon. So he, he knows – what how they're how they're going to react in certain situations you know he's going to learn how to manage and it, it goes back to uh playing some of those young guys so i think you know he, it's not in a tough de- he's not in a tough decision where if he wants to rest a veteran he doesn't really have someone that he could slide in there he has a plethora of riches uh waiting in the wings on the bench or up in the press box or he even has somebody up in syracuse that he could definitely bring down as well all right, Adam, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find your podcast and how they can find you on social media? You can find Locked on Lightning on everywhere, wherever podcasts are distributed. You could follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Lightning. You can find us on Instagram at Locked on underscore Lightning. Give the show a follow on YouTube as well. Got some great interviews uh, thus far. We had Kenny Albert on this offseason. We had Ross Colton on this offseason and new Lightning uh, forward and vet as well. Uh, most recently, Corey Perry on. So it was a monster offseason for us and can't wait to see for, uh, if the Lightning could pull off the three-peat going forward. Should be an interesting season for the Bolts. I'm looking forward to it and I'm sure we'll speak again as the season goes on. 
Yeah, I'm fully expecting a Islanders Lightning uh, third year in a row Eastern Conference Finals matchup, Gil. So get ready for that. Start prepping now. <laughs> I'll see you then. <laughs> Adam Danker, thanks so much for joining us today. All right. Thank you for having me, Gil. Today's episode is also brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. You know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors. There really is something for everyone. And when you talk to a Built Bar fan, they are definitely passionate about their favorites. And here's why. Listen to these flavors. Coconut, strawberry, German chocolate, cookies and cream, mint brownie, raspberry, and my first personal favorite, salted caramel, sweet and salty together. I love it. It is my favorite. And if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box. They'll send you two of each of the nine permanent flavors so you could figure out which ones you like the best. And not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. Check out the macros. 17 to 18 grams of protein per bar. Just 130 to 180 calories. Only 4 or 5 grams of sugar and just 4 or 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors. All tasty. All healthy. And Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S track and field team go to built.com right now use the promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15 percent off your order that's 15 percent off at built.com when you use the promo code locked 15 and now a very special clip of an interview done by ross levitan and brandon pillar of locked on senators as they speak to alex formanton of the ottawa senators All right, we now welcome a very, very special guest, a King City, Ontario native up in Pilsy's neck of the woods. Played one year of Junior A with the Aurora Tigers before making the jump to London in the OHL in 2016. There, he scored at nearly a point-per-game pace over three seasons before turning pro full-time. But he did have a couple stints prior to that, including on October 7th, 2017 against the Detroit Red Wings when he became the youngest player in Ottawa Senators franchise history to suit up in a regular season game. He's a world junior gold medalist and should have a Calder Cup ring as well. We'll get into that. Alex Formanton, welcome to Locked On Senators. Thanks for joining us, man. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're stoked to have you, Alex. And we we got to say it right off the top. Uh, we were telling you off air, Ross and I, we worked in the production crew for the Belleville Senators back in 2020. And that team was just buzzing in Belleville, as uh, you know pretty well. And we asked Joey to record this. What, what was the confidence level for you guys heading into that playoffs? If the playoffs happened, if the league didn't get shut down to COVID, how confident were you guys as a group that you could make a long Calder Cup run? Yeah, I mean, I think we showed, uh, you know, sprints of that throughout the year that, you know, we can play with any team in the league. So um, I think that gave us a little bit of confidence, you know, hopefully when we were going to go into the playoffs, you know, have a good start to the playoffs and hopefully finish strong and come out with the Calder Cup. But um, yeah, I think we had a lot of confidence in our group on, you know, scoring and our defensive play. And um, I think we were ready to go. You guys had four lines deep, and if I'm not mistaken, you spent a lot of the year with the captain, Jordan Swartz, and Michael Carcone. What was it like playing with two veteran guys as you're making your first full appearance in a pro level? Yeah, I mean, it was a big jump coming from London, so, um, you know, I uh, appreciated that a lot, you know, stick me beside two guys that have been in the league for a bit, so um, I learned a lot of stuff from them, and, you know, they helped me out whenever I needed questions, and um even on the ice you know just the right spots to be in so um I I had a lot of fun that year 
Yeah, no doubt. It's a shame the way it had to end, but obviously it's still great for the progression. Half the guys are teammates with you on Ottawa now, but we'll get yeah. into all that. The way we like to start these interviews, we like to go back way to the beginning. What are your first memories falling in love with the game? Uh, kind of just got brought into it. Um, you know, in my family, my brother played hockey, played for uh, Schaumburg Cougars in junior C, so um, he kind of started young. I think my first time skating was around maybe three just uh, going out to the community skates, my parents would always bring me, but um, never was able to stop. So just go full blast right into the right in the end board. So um, yeah, I mean, memories like that, um, I think go a long way and um, kind of started off as my, my skating career right there. Yeah, I mean, that was going to be uh, one of my questions. Was speed always a, a major factor and a major asset in your game? But it sounds like right from day one, uh, you were more about uh, hitting the gas pedal rather than hitting the brakes, eh? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'd say speed has, you know, stuck with me throughout my whole career. I mean, um, always tried to be the fastest guy on the team and was super competitive with that. And, you know, worked with a couple skating coaches on just explosiveness. But um, I think the speed has always kind of been there with me. Did Guy Boucher put a little too much unfair pressure on you when he said you had McDavid-like <laughs> speed as an 18-year-old? Yeah, I mean, that's a, a pretty big compliment by him. Um, you know, I, I try to, to get on that level, but, um, you know, just keep working hard every summer and trying to just uh, gain another step. Speaking of uh, pressure, did you feel that at all going into London? The team was just coming off a Memorial Cup win. Yeah, I mean, uh, we had... Uh, I had a great experience there. At, uh, they brought me with the Memorial Cup right after I signed. So I was uh, black ace skating there. And, um, you know, just being around that championship feeling and knowing what it takes to win, it uh, helped me out going into the next season. Yeah, and you spent your whole uh, OHL career in London, a pretty nice landing spot uh, if you're looking at the OHL, probably one of the most famous, biggest markets. What are some of your uh, better experiences while you were playing for the team when you're actually uh, a part of the main group? Like there must have been some pretty crazy stories when you're a young kid walking into an OHL rink and it's got the atmosphere that they have over there in London, eh? Yeah, I remember the the day I signed, I think they were uh, playing against Erie and, uh, you know, I got to watch a game in, uh, in that atmosphere and just sitting in the crowd and seeing from that aspect so um i mean it's it's a crazy spot i mean trying to pretty much sell out on nine thousand fans a night and it's like a, a mini nhl team in there so um it was incredible to play for and you know the coaching staff were really good with me dale and and mark and everything you know they helped me a lot out and trying to become a professional athlete so um i have to give uh, credits to them yeah, they seem to groom a number of NHLers each and every year. Ottawa going back to that well, Ben Roger, and uh, the most recent draft. And you you were in the 2018 World Juniors. Am I right there in Buffalo? Yeah. So Pilsy and I got to see the last oh, five no. minutes of your outdoor <laughs> game. We were coming down from Toronto, and a pickup or an 18-wheeler had flipped over on the highway. So we made oh, it. Thanks, thanks for taking it to the shootout because yeah. that way we at least got a bit of our money's worth but i'll start with that and then we'll go into bigger picture world juniors what was that game like like playing outside the snow was coming down too yeah i mean it was unreal that was my first game that i've ever played outdoor it kind of reminded me of like pond hockey as you know a kid and um it was awesome i mean the atmosphere was was crazy and it was i think it was my first time being in, in a football stadium too so 
um, you know, just walking out to the the crowd and the band and stuff like that. I mean, it was a, a moment that I'll never forget. And um, yeah, I mean, it was snowing like crazy and freezing. I remember we got the heaters on the bench trying to just warm up our hands, but um, it's definitely a game that you want to be a part of. You and Brady ever talk about it? He was on the other side of that one. Uh, yeah, he, uh, <laughs> he always goes, who's, uh, who's going to remember that tournament, uh, the outdoor game with their gold medal. <laughs> so <laughs> he always, uh, wrestles me around on them winning that, uh, outdoor game, but, um, I always got to show him the medal every once in a while. I want to say you're one of the first guys in the draft class to play an NHL game and the youngest player in franchise history. October 7th, like I said, against Detroit, four minutes and 54 seconds. So I don't know whether I'm going to ask you what the first shift was like or how you stayed warm on the bench. But what when you look back in a home game, too, coming out in that atmosphere, the Sens, I want to say that was one of their first games after the, the conference final run the spring before. So that must have been an electric atmosphere to walk into. Yeah, I mean, I was uh, really, really nervous. I mean, kind of goes from an age gap in, in junior to, you know, playing against, uh, you know, a lot of older guys. So a um, lot more muscle and faster games. So I was kind of nervous on that aspect. But, um, you know, a couple of the guys just told me, you know, go out and play your game. It's uh, same game, just different league. So, um, you know, I got to go out there and, you know, play that four minutes and live it up. So, um, but it was just surreal to play against guys that, you know, I grew up watching and watching on TV and finally be on the same ice as them. So it was, hey, you got on the score sheet though, hitting a block. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All over the score sheet. Yeah. There you go. Did, now, do you remember who your first line mates were? Who were you on a line with to start off? Uh, I'm not sure on that game, but I know the next year I was with uh, Tierney and Bobby Ryan. Well, yeah, that's, and, that's pretty unreal. Speaking of that, uh, I just watched a clip of your first NHL goal and Tierney and Bobby Ryan were your line mates and you got a tip on a Chris Weidman shot from the point. Now, at the time, though, everyone, I think Bobby TSN Ryan... didn't have a clue. Yeah, Bobby Ryan included, <laughs> thought he scored that goal. What was your... Like, you must have felt it hit your, hit your stick, but also you don't want to be the guy that sellies hard for their first career goal. And it's like, ah, actually, you didn't get that one. So what was that feeling yeah. like? And did you know you had it? You must have, right? Honestly, I didn't even know because at the same time, the defenseman kind of slashed my stick. So I couldn't tell if it was like the puck or a slash on my stick. So um, I didn't want to be the guy where, you know, I'm selling on one knee and exactly. it wasn't even the puck. Yeah. So um, just kind of went with the flow. And um, I guess the camera show that I touched it. So um, that was a pretty uh, crazy moment there. Where's the puck? Uh, I have it on this uh, kind of a frame that the Senators gave me with uh, the game sheet on the back and a team picture. So it was really nice of them to do that. That's awesome. So that was in your the second season. But in that first year, I just want to go back because if I if memory serves me right, you, you were up with the team for like a month or two, but you only got into that one game. You went on the West Coast trip with them. What was the biggest learning curve uh, just kind of being around those pros like Dion Phaneuf's around who you probably grew up watching while he was with the Leafs like that must have been a pretty cool experience yeah I mean uh, there was a lot of guys on that team that you know I looked up to and um, they helped me out a lot so um, you know being on that trip I think it helped me a lot going into back to London after you know practicing with the team in high pace and um, you know just learning what it takes to jump to that next level so um, I was really grateful for that opportunity 
All right, and if you want to hear more of that interview, just check out Locked On Senators, and they'll have the complete interview available for you to review. That's going to do it for us here on the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Gil Martin. Have a great day, everyone, and make sure you join us and join me every Monday for the Locked On NHL podcast, where we'll have three more of our local experts talking about the latest issues in and around the NHL. Have a great day, everyone. Stay safe, and thanks for listening to the Locked On NHL podcast.